Welcome to today's podcast episode. It's Wednesday, so we're going to have some guests on. We're going to have a guest on. It's Eric. I am very excited for that guest. I'm really excited and delighted that you've uh, decided to make the podcast a part of your day. It's always song and commercial free. It is companion content. One way, if you listen to the podcast all the time, uh, you can get smaller tidbits of it, snackable versions of it on the radio show from 3 to 7 every weekday on the new Q105. If you're a radio listener, welcome to the podcast. We do this just about every single day. Um, It's usually more adult oriented. We can stretch things out because there's no songs, no commercials, but it's good to have you here. Uh, Today's guest, who I'll introduce in just a moment here, somebody that I met, I think it was like seven years or so ago, because I've always wanted, I've, I've, I've always enjoyed going on ghost hunts, like real ghost hunts, like this place is haunted, I want to go check it out. And uh, Chris Boris did uh, a ghost hunting tour at the Collingwood Art Center, and I went to the first one in 2014 or so. I went to subsequent ones after that, but um, as I, I've, I've told him, and I said it on the air or the podcast weeks ago when the story was in the blade, I'm like, my God! Chris the Ghost Hunter broke up with what I thought was the scariest, most haunted place in the area. He broke up with a with a place for, for better, bigger, scarier ghosts, I guess. Or more active ghosts is how it should go. First things first, um, fireworks are back. I was watching Sean Hegarty's tweets as I was wrapping up the, the show yesterday. Um, and I was like, they're going to get fireworks back on. And some whatever legislation got introduced and $30,000 um, from, I guess, city council and the rest is picked up privately. So um, we have fireworks back. Not on July 4th, not on July 5th, um, on July 2nd. I guess that's the day the vendor could most easily pull it off. I'm sure they were already probably booked for Saturday and definitely July 4th or maybe maybe back when Toledo submitted its signature for the Declaration of Independence. We emailed it a couple of days ahead. No. Um, so Friday night, July 2nd, uh, fireworks will happen as they did not last year but the year before. So downtown will be filled with, I don't know. First of all, I'm pretty sure there's a Mud Hens game that night. So there'd be like 8,000 people. Now we could have two or three times that amount of people downtown. There was, as you might expect, and I don't want to give these people too much credence, but there was some grumbling like, can't city spend it on something better? you'd have to get to a much bigger number than that for me because $30,000, it's not for fireworks. It's an investment in businesses downtown and residents for that matter and everything downtown that has struggled over the last, what is it now, 16 months during the pandemic. It's a $30,000 investment in them because again, if it's just a Friday night with a ball game, not every place is going to do the business that they could if there's two or three times that many people downtown patronizing businesses. So I think it's uh, it's a nice bone to those places. Maybe uh, Alicia over at Fallon Fodder can open up at night again, find the employees to be open and open some extra hours and add at the Blarney and Jim and Cock and Bull and um, uh, everybody else who's got some kind of establishment downtown to help them make some money that they've missed out on. So I'm glad that the city could make this happened. Do we have anything else? Lunch at Levis is back tomorrow uh, with Kyle White. So your favorite 
or probably your fa- one of your favorite food trucks will be there downtown right behind Summit Street and, and enjoy that. There's a story, another sad dog story. His name is Golden. So I think we've all cracked some kind of probably insensitive joke about uh, Chinese food being filled with dogs. Like, oh, don't order there. They So I didn't know that. I mean, I guess that came from somewhere. I saw this story last week, and I think it was on a Friday or a couple of Fridays ago, about Golden, a Golden Retriever. It didn't really pick up because I think it got caught at the end of the week news cycle, but the Blade did a story about it. Alex, Alexandra, um... Mester, who also did the story about Faith at the Toledo Animal Rescue and put her on my radar. So Golden, I'm just going to read part of this to you. Golden was one of 18 canines rescued in January by a North Carolina-based nonprofit China Rescue Dogs from a slaughterhouse north of Chengdu, China. The dog meat trade is found in several areas of Asia. The animals often enduring unimaginable living conditions before suffering brutal deaths. Uh, says consuming specific breeds or types of canine is sometimes believed to give a person a specific boost, like consuming golden retriever to obtain wisdom or eating black-colored dogs to ward off evil spirits. So this is a thing. Golden had half of his right ear missing, which is purposely cut off. He also had evidence of three broken ribs, but now he made it to a Waterville-based Golden Retriever Rescue. He's in the hand, uh, Golden Retriever Rescue Resource, and they have worked with China Rescue Dogs since last summer. They've taken Golden into the program. Um, he didn't look great, but now he does. Uh, let's see. He, I believe he has cancer, so he's not going to live, and I might get some of this wrong, he's not going to live long, but the family that's taking care of him is going to give him a very loving end of his life, and the stories in the blade, he looks just like a happy, joyous golden retriever, but yeah, there are places abroad that are eating dogs, so scary stuff, disgusting, uh, well, it, look, I, I'm not going to call it disgusting, because it, it's that culture, and I don't want to get into any kind of culture war. I'm sure there's things that we do here, um, which maybe looked upon very awkwardly or frowned upon by other cultures. Um, in many cultures, there is some type of belief in an afterlife or where you go when your physical body no longer works. Uh, Chris Boris is a ghost doctor, a ghost behaviorist, and it is a blast to welcome him onto the podcast to talk about all the activity he found at the very creepy haunted Oliver house and so much more about what he does. Welcome to the podcast. This is the most excited I've been to have uh, a specific a specific guest on the podcast in a long time because I, uh, I love what you do, and I love your passion, and I felt heartbroken for the Collingwood Art Center when you essentially broke up with them. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, so I, uh, I had met you, and I've, I've enjoyed your tours in the past at, at the Collingwood Art Center um, with the detail and the passion that you had, and it was really a, 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 a creepy place. So um, are you going to continue to do those, or... How will that work out moving forward? Uh, that's in the works. I mean, the the future right now for me is really up in the air and stuff that I can't really talk about right now because uh, let's just say I have a lot of uh, sticks in the fire. So yeah, I can't really talk about too much about the future. Okay. 
So can we we'll talk about the Oliver House mostly then? Absolutely. This so so how did you stumble over there after uh, spending a lot of time Collingwood Arts Center and other places? Because I I've, I've I'm a down where I was a downtowner and I had heard the stories about the Oliver House um, from people who have lived there or know people and they they've heard all the creepy stories. So how did you uh, make your way over there? Yeah. So Oliver House is kind of like the you know the holy grail of trying to get into that place because they've been so. Um, tight-lipped about everything and they, they haven't let anybody in for like 10 years you know it seems like ever since the ghost hunting craze, craze went nuts uh they were just like okay nobody's allowed in <laughs> which made us want to get in there even more uh but yeah it's a place that i've heard about pretty much you know all my life in uh growing up in toledo and i actually emailed them one day it was like perfect timing and they looked up who I was. Uh, I go by, uh, the, I am the ghost doctor now. They were really peaked. Their interest was peaked by that. So they're like, tell you what, come on in, see what you can find, and then we'll go from there. And I ended up getting so much footage. Uh, I ended up making a YouTube video about my experience there. And I thought it'd be maybe a 10, 15 minute video. But I had so much paranormal activity happen to me. The episode that I created is like a full-blown 40-minute episode, something you'd see on TV. Um, how many? How much time did you wind up staying in there? Obviously, lots of lots of footage, but how much time are you in there for? Uh, well, I arrived about 6 o'clock, and this was in February, so of course it gets dark really early, so that was, that was perfect, because I don't like staying too late. I've got a family and all that. Sure. Uh, so uh, I stayed for about four hours. And it just, activity, it just exploded around me. Uh, many times when I go into a location, sometimes activity has to warm up to who you are and what you're all about. But this, as soon as I walked in the door, it, it just, they wanted to make themselves know, known like, I'm here, you know, come get us. So it's yeah. nonstop, nonstop it- roller coaster ride. It's interesting, I guess, the politics of them letting you come in there because for as much as I've heard of the activity that's been there for years and years, um, it it was never people that were afraid. Like, they were people who would either go there to hang out, go to the bar, wherever it would be. They live there, and it was nothing, like, unsettling or threatening. They're just like, oh, they're just quiet. They're, uh, they're tenants that don't pay rent. <laughs> right, and I didn't experience anything malevolent there myself uh now what i do is uh so i call myself a ghost behaviorist because i get very psychological to spirits you know i I use psychology philosophy sociology to do what i do and it's interesting because there's a a reports of a woman uh, that I, i call the jilted wife because she was left back in the late 1800s i believe and i was coming at her by, through a psychological means to figure out, okay, why are you still here? And really driving, you know, the point of her emotional state. And I had my recorder running and she, you know, at first, as I was started getting a little closer and closer to the, her emotional state, she was, she, I got the EVP of her saying, get out. And then a few seconds later, she said the F word at me. So I, I like hit a nerve with her or something, but that's the only, that's as, about as extreme that it, as it gets. Have You've never had a ghost or an apparition curse at you before? No, that's the first time, and it, was, it kind of took me aback. I'm like, oh, okay. 
And by the way, like I'm a hundred percent believer in this. I didn't, I didn't want you to, to come on for any kind of like pot shots or low hanging fruit. I love all this stuff. That's why I was so excited that Lexi could connect me to some of your ghost hunts. I, it must've been like seven years or so ago. Now I always look forward to, uh, to going into these types of places and seeing what we can find. And it was funny when, um, I showed the message you had sent me to, uh, the podcast crew, we were trying to figure it out, figure out who you were mentioning. And that was our friend Kennedy, who was just like a, she was like a student podcaster we had invited on for a couple episodes and she is deeply religious so i think that's where some of the divide might have been but um okay. we're, all, we're, all, we're all big believers with this okay yeah because i heard your podcast uh, when you mentioned me the the last time and the 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 one lady that was talking to you she's very religious and she's like i don't want to believe in this it's all demons and things like that <laughs> i just i just for the record i want to make it known that you know, what I do, I, I'm probably one of the rare few that actually brings religion into ghost hunting. Because when I'm in the field, I, look, I grew, I grew up Catholic, Roman Catholic, and I bring Buddhism into this as well. And when you start getting into interactions with spirits and start really coming at them with how does the afterlife work, you start to see there is a spiritual tier system. There are There is a hierarchy pulling the strings of the lower levels and you have to start thinking this in terms of black and white and god and the devil and i know it's kind of weird to say but once you start getting into the deeper layers of this that's the only end game of what's really going on in this this spiritual afterlife can we do some 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 ghost hunting 101 if we could because I, I'd like to, to brush up on, on some of that as well. Like, where 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 are the these apparitions? Like, where I, I, are they stuck in between life and death? Where are they? They are all around. Uh, so if you, one of the best examples of this is if you read the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which was written uh, in 800 AD. I mean, they really know what what they're talking about, and they talk about uh, they they talk about six different realms that are kind of layered on top of each other. And one of the examples that they give is, you know, you could, in your state that we're in right now, we can look into a, 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 a river and see water. But if you're in these other states, these other realms, you could look into that same river and see a river of sludge, a river of lava, you know, depending on what realm that you're in, you know, the hell realm or the, the angry god realm or things like that. So... What I found is when I start interacting with these spirits is, yeah, they're occupying the same space that we're in. They're just kind of, you know, slightly off so we can't see them. Mm -hmm. So it's not a matter of like, I guess, the common thought of they're stuck in between worlds like they they're not alive. They're dead, but they can't quite get to where they need to be their final goal for the afterlife. It's just different realms or dimensions. Yes, and this is the most, uh, for lack of a better term, the heaviest realm, which is the material realm, because we're made out of solid matter. And when you look into things like the Kabbalah, they talk about um, there's a there's kind of like a vibrational weight system to the universe. You know, there's a vibrational world, an energy world, a material world, and once you start seeing that, you know, everything's layered, you can start to see that okay, these spirits are around us. You know, we don't, we can't see them. We can't really interact with them unless we have the right tools. But once you start getting in there, and if they want to interact with you, you will get some type of interaction to happen. 
I get it. Um, so would that would that make like the traditional idea of a ghost a little inaccurate? Like, I guess the the pop culture idea of it is they die and then they come back to haunt you. In a sense, I mean, they're just other they're they're humans for lack of a better way to they're beings in another dimension. Not necessarily like my aunt died and she's coming back to visit me. Yeah, uh, well, and there's many different kind of states as well that you can exist in on the other side. I've actually, uh, one of my major foundations of what I do or, and how I do this is I've come up with six different spirit types in the other side. You know, some are judged, some are not judged, some spirits are wandering, some are craving, you know, they got that psychological hunger, that's why they're here. Others are, have come back to help, they're help, helper spirits, and others are just very malevolent. You know, they're very destructive. So there's all kinds of different types, uh, and they're here for various reasons and are interacting with us for various reasons as well. How messy can the malevolent ones get? Like, how much bad can they do to us? Oh, man. So it depends on how much power that they have. See, when you start to research the, the, the more demonic type of hauntings, it always starts off very calm. And what happens is over time they're building energy and it's like more energy, more energy, and they're just feeding off people. Uh, many times in these instances, you know, uh, the families will get very irritable. Uh, they'll blow up for no reason. And of course, the spirit's making that happen. And at the same time, he's feeding off that energy and becoming more powerful and to the point where he can start manipulating reality and doing things that um, are very jarring. And they can create bigger scenarios where they they just feed off your life force because their end game is to you know destroy humanity. Oh well, that's really not good. <laughs> yeah, very pleasant. Have we gotten cl- close to anything like that? Yeah, um, I, and I don't want to go too in detail, but man, the, the world's just full of these evil type entities and it just you, you start going down the rabbit hole you find out that there are different tier systems to the demonic uh, that's the next thing I've been working on is breaking down the, the demonic realm and I've come up with 10 different demonic types that exist out there you know you have the parasites then you have the demons and then you have the devil class which is which is totally different the devils are kind of like in charge of the demons and then you have the archetypes like you know, Lucifer and Moloch and all them. And then you have you know, all the other critters. You have the, the demonic bats and rats and spiders. And, and then you have the aliens. There's an alien class out there, watchers and fallen angels. It's just a lot to take in within, you know, a short interview segment like this. This is not, we, this is the fun of podcast. We can go <laughs> as long as you want. I mean, the radio show, they're like, come on, you got commercials to play. People are tuning out. This, I mean, this, I, I love this stuff. I'm, I'm super fascinated. And I, I had, had no idea that you could go that deep with it. I, I wasn't expecting that. That's why I'm like just sitting here with my, my chin in my hands. Um, Do you remember, okay. go ahead, go ahead, go. And I'll tell you, no one else is talking about this stuff. When I turn on uh, TV, uh, travel channel, things like that, no one is talking about this. You know what they're doing? They're doing stuff they did back in 2008. And this is why the paranormal field is kind of dying right now because they keep doing this. Every Everything they're doing is old hat. And the problem is they keep casting the same people to return in brand new shows, but the problem is they're doing the same thing they did in the last show. So we're not seeing sure. the paranormal field evolve but hopefully hopefully 
and this is going to be very cryptic, I can change all that within the next year. So. I look forward to that. Now I have a hint as to why you can't talk about certain things, which is fine. So I, like I said, I'm just sitting here listening and, and with utter fascination. Do you remember the movie um, Contact with Jodie Foster? About 20 years ago? So, and this is 20 years ago now, and, and things have changed and gotten much better. Yeah, and I guess the, the more modern uh, one would be maybe Interstellar. But Contact always had the reputation of, if something exists, it's probably like this. A lot less like, you know, aliens and nonsense like that. Just like a, like a higher state of consciousness and different realms. Is there, a, is there a ghost movie maybe of some acclaim that you could compare to what you, the world you actually dip into? <laughs> you know, there's uh, actually on my YouTube channel, there's a series that I've kind of started. It's called Pop Culture Paranormal. And the first episode that I did is, uh, so the basic premise is taking Hollywood movies and break them down so they fit into the real world. Like if this movie happened in reality, what would that look like? And, you know, there's a kernel of truth in just about every movie that you look at. Even Ghostbusters, which is a comedy. You know, there's some there's some truth to it. Uh, down, down to the color of what Slimer is. I'm, I'm starting to get into the why spirits are certain colors that they are. And it's very interesting um, because there's a whole psychology, psychological uh, issue to that as well. But, um, yeah, so the one video that I broke down was The Ring. Uh, which was a horror movie back in the early 2000s. Is that, the, is that of the, the Asian background? Am I thinking? Yeah, where the, yeah, where the girl comes out of the TV screen. Terrifying! Yeah, and I tell you, everybody that's watched this video, they walk away there and they, they go, wow, I never thought about uh, the that movie the way that you broke it down because I talked about... You know, the, the, the pre- basic premise is this girl comes out of a TV and, zap, you know, sucks your life force into your zombie shell. And I break that down to the point where I, I point out that, you know, she's in her own reality in the, you know, wherever the ghost realm that she's occupying. And basically like a genie that's stuck in a lamp, you know, she comes out and she needs to feed with her life force and so in essence she's like this demonic thing that's that's sucking her life for or sucking the life force from a human once she's full then she goes back into her corner pocket universe or whatever until you know somebody plays the tape which i i link that to kind of like a curse that somebody is unlocking and the curse you know slowly breaks down your mindset until they can invade it and and feed from you so it's very deep um are more apparitions, spirits, ghosts than not, um, not malevolent, just wandering, trying to find their way and, and not harmful? Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, I can't give you an exact figure, but I, I would say that there are a lot of spirits that I interact with that they're just like, hey, I'm, I'm here. I died. I'm just figuring things out. I mean you no harm. I'm just here. And it's, it's funny because... When you look at Travel Channel, it, it seems like nine times out of ten, the inter, the interactions that they get are you know, have, have to be demonic. You know, they're right. for that that jump scare pop culture type situation. Well, those movies are are more prevalent in in, in entertainment and more entertaining. Uh, it, it's like if it bleeds, it leads with the news. Like, or else we'd have a million Casper the Friendly Ghost movies. Absolutely. Um. So, what happens if 
because I bet you this is a question that that people have thought about. Like, what happens if I do encounter something in my in my home or somewhere where I frequent? Maybe I work after hours or wherever, and I work in a lonely building, and I encounter something um, other than reach out to you. What do I do? Okay, so nine times out of ten, when you encounter something, it's probably just it, it's probably just coming in. It's very the power that this thing has is very low because it hasn't feed it off anything. It hasn't grown in intensity. So nine times out of 10, you can kind of push those things out with a house cleansing, house blessing, uh, you know, burning sage, doing prayer work, something, something like that. Uh, also in my, uh, YouTube video on the, um, the Oliver house, which you can find on YouTube by searching ghost, Dr. Chris, um, for the very first time, ever you'll see on film someone using the tibetan singing bowls to heal and cleanse an area which i did in the oliver house and the results just blew me away uh because i had meters set up in the other room on the like on the we're talking the other side of the oliver house and when i started doing this singing bowl session Every one of those meters that I had on the other side of the, the building started going absolutely nuts for like five minutes nonstop. I've never seen anything like that happen before, so I, I definitely struck a chord. With the what is it? What would you define the energy, if it is definable, that that causes those meters to peak? Uh, like when I fill my get when I fill my gas tank up, it goes from E to F. What's the energy or whatever causing that meter to move? Right, so when we're alive, I mean, we have a whole um, nervous system inside of our body that, that emits kind of like an electromagnetic charge. And when we die, our, our soul passes on, it kind of, uh, the soul retains that electromagnetic charge. And what we find is that spirits are able to, for whatever reason, use that electromagnetic field to influence these devices that pick up those EMF readings. Got it. So, so that's that's why we use a lot of those meters and such that do just that. What uh, What's the most frightened you've ever been in a situation where you were uh, hunting, doctoring, behavioring? Okay, so this would probably have to be the Collingwood Art Center. Uh, <laughs> now, 99% of my interactions at Collingwood were very, very positive. However, this one was very negative. I was in the basement. Uh, I had asked, uh, we were interacting with this, and look, I had a whole tour group with me. They all can testify to this. I had a group of about 20 people. We were in the basement. We were interacting with the spirit, which we think was uh, the nun that worked there in the 1950s. Her name, I think, was Marie or something like that. And I asked the question, is there something uh, malevolent here? Because in the past, I've gotten little tastes of something being there, but not like a full-on uh, evil coming at me. And right after I asked this question, all the meters in the room, because we had a couple of them set up, all of them just stopped reacting. And I was like, did I scare you away? I, it just kind of baffled me. So about two or three minutes later, the all the meters in the room started spiking in unison. But uh, see, there's the meter that I was using has a five-tier spiking system. So if one light goes off, it's very low intensity. But if there's like five lights that go off, it's very high intensity. So what was happening here was 
the 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 first lights start going off, but it stayed on. I've never experienced anything like this before, unless you know you go up to a, a plasma TV and this thing starts going off because it's emitting electricity. So I had this thing sitting, we had these meters on the ground and one light went off and it stayed on for a good minute. Then two lights went off and stayed on for two minutes. And then three lights went off and stay, or stayed on for three minutes. And it's like, what the heck's going on? The best way I can explain it is like a building intensity. And as this was happening, we started feeling really weird, like something was building up to a crescendo. And I kid you not, it started getting up to four lights, five lights, and we're just looking at each other like, okay, what is going on? All of a sudden, I heard a scream where I don't know where it emanated from, but I heard a screaming. Uh, other people started seeing shadow people darting across the room. I saw a flash of light where I, I don't know where that came from. We were just experiencing all these things. I'm like, oh man, if, if I start getting scratched up or something, you know, that, that was going through my mind. Scratched up? Like someone scratched, like someone's nails in your face or, or something, like an object on you? Yeah, usually in these type of situations, people will get scratched and you'll just get start getting welts, unexplained hmm. welts on your body. Uh, thankfully, that, that did not happen. Uh, because as soon as uh, you know this thing reached its crescendo, it started dissipating. And I kid you not, the, me the meters that we were looking at, they went, they started going back down to four lights, three lights, two lights, one light, and it just, it just went away. So that's what I call the rolling darkness scenario uh, that happened at Collingwood. Is it, what part of the basement was? Is that where like all the extra furniture is? No, this one is right underneath where you first walk in, where the uh, the children's center is. So you go down there. That's where they had the black light theater for a while. Okay. You, when you walk down the stairs, you go right or left? Uh, to the right. Okay. Yeah, I remember you had talked about that room, and it was like pretty empty um, when I did your tour one time. And then I remember, and, and I could, I, I don't know, maybe I'm letting adrenaline or anxiety talk to me, but I, I think I'm, I'm pretty intuitive whether it comes to something dead or alive. But I could feel what you were talking about then. And every other time I'd been back there, I'd take friends. I'd be like, this place, this room is super haunted. So if you're scared, get the hell out. And then I think I went like, it must have been three or four years ago. That room got changed over into more of a banquet vibe and not nearly as scary. So I think it ran off whatever might have been lingering around there. But th that's how that can happen, right? You change the setting or the home of an apparition and they find another place to go, right? Yeah, and I've, I've been told uh, after I left there, the I guess the spirits kind of stop interacting with people. So whatever I was doing, I guess, kind of resonating resonated with them. So it, it, if you go there now, I, I don't know if you'll experience anything, but uh, boy, we had a fun, fun time when I was there. <laughs> Let me tell you. What, um, what, what got you into all of this? I look. Um, growing up, my grandparents had a very old house, and I there's times where I remember I'd be the only one at, at the house. You know, my, they'd run up to the drive-through real quick to get something. And I'd be the only one in the house, and I'd hear people walking upstairs. And I'd go up there expecting to see people, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm all alone here. <laughs> so something's going on. Uh, as I got older, you know, it, all these pop culture movies like Ghostbusters and whatnot kind of got the fascination, my imagination running. 
and I really wanted to experience some paranormal activity, and it wasn't until 2004 when Ghost Hunters, the TV show, aired that I, that I just became extremely fascinated because they showed, hey, look, there's an ideology to this. There's You can go out and use you know uh, certain methods to get interactions with spirits. So I thought that was the coolest thing. So I just gravitated to it. What is uh, what's a place that you'd like to visit because of the likely paranormal activity um, that is residing there? Oh man! So something that's on my bucket list is the Winchester House out in California. I, I don't know if you know the story, but it was the um, the widow of the the person that made the Winchester rifles, and the, a psychic went there. And said that you know everybody that's been killed with a Winchester rifle is now haunting your house. So the widow got freaked out, and she's she's like, okay, uh, well the psychic said the one way to kind of uh, confuse these spirits is start making uh, additions to the house that kind of lead nowhere. So this lady spent millions and millions of dollars because you know she she was very wealthy, uh, uh, making rooms and staircases that lead nowhere to kind of you know confuse the spirits and entrap them uh, which is kind of ingenious because uh it when you look at the celtic culture you know that's why they have the celtic cross that is designed with all these squiggles and lines that go nowhere in the intricate design because i've i've come to find that that when it comes to demons and things like that um it'll actually confuse spirits uh or, or demons and things like that so i i tell people as well you know if you have a, a manifestation or something evil in your house you know, buy one of those Chinese um, wall spirit hangs uh, because there's a lot of intricate designs and it'll kind of wrap those spirits up and kind of keep their mind occupied so they aren't haunting you. As so, opposed to, and much cheaper than a pro, than making your own proton pack. Yeah, yeah, they're like 10 bucks, so very, um, very cheap. It, it's, uh, it, it's probably cliche, but I I also love the Civil War. It's my favorite time in, in our history, but I would love to go to, to, to Gettysburg and um, feel what that is like. Have you been, have you heard anything about it and the, the paranormal activity that's there? You know, I went there for my class trip uh, in the 90s. Uh, I was a junior and our whole class went. And I was just enamored with the whole, uh, the whole thing. They had a tower there, a battle tower went in that. And I was like, come on, something jump out at me. But nothing happened. Uh, but what I've come to find out later, and, and this is one of the spirit types that I've come up with, is the confused spirit. So no one has ever put this together or, or talk about this. But when we look at uh, spirits uh, in Gettysburg, we see that the most interactions people will get out there are the reenactors. The people that go out there dressed in full uh, uh, the military garb, and they'll actually have officers kind of materialize and interact with them. So you have to ask yourself, okay, well, why is that? And what I've come to understand is that these spirits, you know, they died in battle. They're probably reliving that moment over and over again. Sure. And on another level, you know, they're actually, um, they have a level of dissociative disorder, which means that if they're dead and they're not happy with, the fact that they've died, they are canceling everything out in their mind that has to do with death. And that's very easy to do because when you're dead, you can start to manifest things uh, by using energy in the afterlife. So they've manifested their own little pocket universe of the Civil War. And anybody that's dressed in modern day garb, like if you and I just go there, they won't see us. 
because they've canceled everything out that deals with the living out of their their um, their reality. But the people that go there dressed in that military garb, they're allowed to pop into their little pocket universe because they've become one with it. So, one of my one of my questions yeah, was going to be like, how can we enter? How can we more seamlessly enter uh, their world as they do ours? So, thanks for answering that. Yeah, you have to be time period uh, time period specific if you want to interact with these spirits. Perfect example is uh, I don't know if you watch Ghost Adventures, but I just love Zach. Zach's a ham, and there he went to this one place. It was like a bar that existed back in the early 1900s. And he was down in this area trying to get some interaction. And it wasn't until he sat down in the bar and he's like, started ordering a drink, the, the exact same way you would order one back in the early 1900s, that he started to get things to happen around him. And he started scratching his head going, why did this happen? I don't understand. And well, that's why. He was interacting with a confused spirit that's canceled out anything to do with the living. What's uh, what's another popular or or maybe even off the beaten path place that people might want to visit around here in our area that could be accessible to them for a, a ghost tour or a ghost hunt? There's the uh, uh, what what there's something in Maumee, right? Well, uh, what's the building where Levi and Lilac is now, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. Uh, I think it's the Chadwick Inn. Is that it? I don't remember the name. I used to go there all the time when it was Degage, and I was there enough to hear the stories about upstairs and. Um, what else is haunted around here? Uh, now this people might not be familiar with, but the, uh, the Woodlawn Cemetery, I've had some great interactions out there, uh, but you have to have ghost devices or, or it won't work. Um, I've had some funny scenarios where I've had, uh, this thing I call an ovalist, where I like to call it a voice box for the dead. It'll, uh, spit out words that are associated to the energy that's picking up out there. And it's funny because I, I went out there one afternoon trying to get some interaction with the spirits. And I kept asking, okay, I want a name to pop up on this device. I was walking around for a good 10, 20 minutes. I didn't get a single thing. And I said, okay, if, if I'm going to go, if I don't get anything, I need some interaction here. I, w- I want a name on this device. So I, I had a word pop up on the device. I can't remember right now what, what that word was, but it wasn't a name. So I said, okay, well... That's not a name. I'm, I'm out of here. And as I, as I started to get into my car, I had two words appear back to back, which has hardly ever happened. I've only, happened, have, I've only had that happen twice in owning this thing. And I got the words paranormal, and the next word was enemy. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what you think of me, huh? So it's <laughs> just kind of a, a, a humorous interaction that I had. Uh, and then on another occasion, I was out there. Uh, I was doing, uh, I was filming one of my Ghost Doctor episodes, uh, the intro for it, and I was like, oh, I need a, I need a creepy backdrop for my intro. So I went out to the Longwood Cemetery again, and I had my camera. Uh, the battery was fully charged. I, I shot my intro, which was only about five minutes long, threw the camera in my the back seat of my car, got home, went to. Uh, plugged the camera into my computer and it was dead I, I, I was like wait a minute wait a minute I have I only use this camera five minutes there's no way this camera would be dead so something out there was feeding on my camera and, and drained my battery Woodlawn Cemetery makes sense makes sense um, what are some myths that you could dispel about 
ghosts, ghost hunting, anything like that? In terms of uh, places around town? Or, or just as far as like, that's ridiculous. Uh, or, or things that people often get wrong or might even just be sarcastic or cynical about what you do. <laughs> well, I, I got to tell you, the, the whole body of uh, research that I pull from is very, how should I say, threatening to the paranormal field right now. It seems like whenever I do these uh, conventions, these paranormal conventions, uh, it seems like I really resonate with everybody that attends them. But the people that really uh, have a beef with what I talk about is the people that are making money off this this field. And that's where I start to butt heads with people because, you know, I'm coming at this from a foundational... uh, foundational way that incorporates uh, Eastern philosophy and I, I find that when people don't understand something and they're threatened by it they they kind of lash out at it and th- that's where I'm at now so got it that, name, it's a very human specific but it's a very human reaction especially when you talk about like you're threatening the the stable foundation that is there which means people's money so when you threaten people's money they're gonna do what they can to try to break you down. Right, absolutely, and it just goes hand in hand with that. Uh, one one great example is the confused spirits. You know, a lot of people will, will sit there and go, "Well, you know, these these spirits, um, they use the term residual hauntings, uh, where I use the confused spirit analogy, and they feel that residual hauntings are well, most residual hauntings are these spirits that are kind of on like an audio tape where it's played back over and over and over again, and the problem with that is. You know, sometimes, especially on TV, uh, they will many times say, oh, well, there's a residual haunting at this location. But then halfway through the episode, they start interacting with it. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You just contradicted yourself. How can you interact with an audio tape that's being played back? Right. So (laughs) we've got to start changing our mindset. And when you look at Eastern philosophy, they've answered all this stuff. I mean, the stuff that I pulled together, it's nothing new. I mean, it's out there. You just have to, you know, put two and two together and come up with these not that I'm looking for the treasure trove of information or anything or to reveal any secrets, but when you say Eastern philosophy, what do you mean? So one of the things that I do is I pull from the Tibetan Book of the Dead uh, and the, the Tibetan Buddhist culture. They have these things called the, um, um, the, the sutras, and those date back you know, uh, 600 years before the Bible was written. In fact, there are certain circles that, that believe that uh, Jesus actually... Uh, was taught Buddhism, and a lot of his teachings come from a lot of the foundations that are found in Buddhism, uh, because there's so many parallels. Yeah, it makes sense. So when I start plugging in things that you find in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and that's a big one, because when you go to Egypt, and you find that the uh, the, uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead, what they did was they scribed it on the walls of the, the funeral uh, where all the sarcophaguses were. And you got to sit there and go, well, why would that be? And you have to think, okay, well, wait a minute. If you're dead, you know, you and you leave a book there, you can't turn the pages. But if right. the information is on the wall of what to do in the afterlife, hey, you could just look at that and be like, okay, that's what I need to do. So that's why they did just that. And we could talk. We could do a whole a whole other thing on 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 mummies in the Egyptian dead, right? <laughs> a- 
Absolutely. That's another podcast visit. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big believer. When when I was trying to solve my own uh, mental health challenges, I, I did a lot of exploration into Buddhism and, and mindfulness. I'm like, this makes all the sense in the world. This is like, just treat people decently. So you can see, I could totally buy that into how it bled into Jesus and so many other things. And, and the, it meshes so many. Go ahead. And you have to be careful, too, because the Buddhism that is taught in uh, America right now is very, very watered down. Sure. It seems like all, all the druggy hippies are into it. But it's funny because the Buddha specifically said, do not do drugs, because those bring in certain types of entities in the afterlife that are on that certain vibration. So, you know, yeah, that's another thing you have to worry about as well. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe this is just like uh, pseudo Buddhism, but the Buddha was was all about suffering and learning to deal with it and, and embrace it, and not um, live a life with those those gluttonous things. Yeah, absolutely. He came from a very wealthy background, and it's you know it, it's like the people in government today. Uh, you know, they're they're up in their, their high rises and their ivory towers. It would be like them saying, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm going to live in the streets of the ghetto and see what I can learn. You don't see that today. But that's what Buddha did. He was like, you know what? I want to see what's going on. And he started to learn about all the suffering and all the things that go on that, that people are kind of hiding in the background. So he... He really tuned into that and, and brought that knowledge to the masses. Wasn't it Siddhartha who just sat under a tree for how many ever decades or thousands of years? Yeah, um, well, he was the Buddha. He was yeah. the very first Buddha. There have been like 11 or, or I can't remember the exact number. Um, but yeah, he sat, he sat under a Bodhi tree for quite a while until he gained enlightenment. Where, you know, the... And the same thing that happened with Jesus. You know, he went out to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's like, well, what did he do out there? Well, the universe kind of, you know, opened up his mind. You know, it took a crowbar to it. And he's like, aha. And, you know, the same thing happened with the Buddha. All these secrets of the universe just came spilling out. And, you know, I, I, I can say I, I've had the same kind of revelation when it comes to this, you know, this, this spirit realm. And I just have so much knowledge just coming to the surface. So. Uh, you know, it, it leads back to good and evil, black and white, God and the devil, and uh, the, the spirit world is just part and parcel of that. Uh, this is super fascinating. I could literally ask you and, and pillory you with questions for hours and hours in, in different directions, but uh, I was really excited when I saw that story in the Blade about the Oliver House. Like I said, I was like, oh my God, Chris broke up with the Collingwood Art Center, but I know <laughs> I, I he definitely went with the, the, the better looking partner because, like I said, that Oliver House is, is super haunted, and it is, it is really a great building aside from all that stuff, but um, oh, this... Yeah. This this was awesome. Let's let's talk about what you got coming up or what you can and how people can track down some of your stuff. Yeah, perfect. Oh, the one thing I wanted to talk about too with the Oliver House is, is the the groundbreaking footage that I got there. Um, I did an article. I was so excited about this for the Blade and Yahoo News even picked up on it. Never been on the front page of not Yahoo News, but I was there. And it was because that I ended up getting a physical manifestation occur on film for the very first time in color. Uh, now, this is important because every time you've probably seen something happen on one of these ghost hunting shows, the night shot vision is on. Which, so every time we see one of these spirit things, you know, it's black and white. But not in this case. When we saw this spirit manifest, it was a, a, a 
really brilliant greenish color, kind of like Slimer on, on Ghost, uh, Ghostbusters. And what's interesting is that uh, I, when I first saw this manifestation occur, I thought, oh, this must have been a reflection. But as I slowed the footage down and started you know, analyzing it, I started checking off the boxes like, wait a minute. I mean, it happened in front of a, mirror, uh, a window, but the problem is there's a divider in the frame and the reflection of this this image went right over top of that that divider so i'm like that can't that 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 just can't be a reflection it's got to be something and when you slow it down and blow it up it looks like an actual hand that manifested to you know reach out and and give me a handshake or something i don't know but it also i mean you could draw a direct line from my line of sight down to where this uh, this hand uh, manifested and it was right in my direct line of vision so we've got that going for it too and it's just very incredible i, I encourage anybody that's interested in the paranormal to watch this video uh it, it occurs around the 24 minute mark yeah, it's some of the, the most incredible paranormal footage that that you'll really ever come across. Uh, all the stuff that you've talked about, the places you'd watch these things, it's it's something very different. And w the thing that jumped out to me was certainly the color there as well. So this was uh, this was awesome. And um, where can people watch your content, follow you, all those things? Okay, uh, if you go to YouTube, type in Ghost Doctor Chris. I'm not that big enough yet where you type in Ghost Doctor because I guess there's a, a, a manga or a comic book in um, Japan of the same name. So I'm, I'm getting beat out by that in the search. But uh, <laughs> if you type in Oliver House or Ghost Doctor Chris, that should come up uh, even in the Google shirt search. Awesome. Um, should I ask you who your favorite superhero and supervillain are as well? I saw your Thanos picture. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> You know, it's kind of weird because I, I've always been a Green Lantern fan. Okay. And what's, interest, what's interesting about that is uh, in 2006, uh, they wrote this really incredible story where they started branching off the, the Green Lantern Corps into different um, into different types of lanterns. You know, you have the, lever, uh, the yellow lanterns based off the emotion of fear, the red lanterns based off uh, anger and hatred. And what I'm starting to find in the spirit realm is that is the exact same thing that's going on there. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if this is coincidence that Green Lantern is my favorite, but uh, I'll have to break that down in the future a little bit more. But that's one of the things that's kind of under wraps right now. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time. Good to catch up. Hopefully, I uh, run into you this fall during the uh, the, the freaky season, and uh, and catch on to some of uh, some of the cool things that you're doing. All right, well, thanks for all the kind words. I appreciate it. Take care, Chris. Thanks so much.